Ladies and gentlemen, we're shoveling. This is the growing season. Brought to you by News Talk. Saga 960 AM. I'm Matt McFarland. And one of three that shall be gracing your eardrums right now. Mom and Dad, Jack and Lynn, join us. Mom and Dad, how are you? Matthew, I'm terribly excited. Oh, okay. Because I, ta- I finally get to talk about worms. Good. <laughs> great. Good. This was a great show, ladies and gentlemen. We're done. We'll see you next week. Yeah. Mom, <laughs> Mom, how are you? I'm doing just fine. Perfect. Ladies and gents, look. Our winter format is officially in the books for the 2020-2021 season. We are now switching to the outdoors with spring rapidly, rapidly approaching. And my design queue has filled up so much that it is now my dad's design queue. Oh, goody. <laughs> oh, goody. Yes, it is crazed. The phone is ringing continually. Uh, I can't even look at the n- amount of hits on our website. GrowingSeasonCanada.com is that website, by the way, for fear of what will come. Because it used to be that the internet was not so much uh, used in the way of communication as far as clientele. Now it's almost exclusively how we how, how we chat with clients. That you just recently picked up a consult and a landscape design in Ottawa. Yeah. This would not have been possible 20 years ago. No, it's a long walk since I don't it's drive. Long, yeah, <laughs> it's a long walk. Yeah, 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 yeah. Welcome to public transit. But yeah. this week we're going to be chatting about, this is going to be step one or part one of our Celebrating Spring series. We're going to be chatting about lawns today, Dad. We're going to be chatting about... Planting beds. Planting beds. Splitting Mom, those perennials. Splitting those perennials. Okay. All of that, this is part one of our four-part series called Celebrating Spring. She's Lynn. He's Jack. I'm Matt. And they are continually celebrating me. Yes. <laughs> lies, lies. Yeah. And this is the growing season on News Talks, like at 960 AM. On the other side, let's get into some lawns. Grasp. <laughs> And we're back. The growing season. GrowingSeasonCanada.com is the website, and we are brought to you by News Talk, Saga 960 AM. Again, that website, GrowingSeasonCanada.com. Click on Show Bits. It's the visual accompaniment to the show. And uh, yeah, that's people love it. The blog is being hit continually. And the nice part, ladies and gentlemen, for the first timers, is directly after the show airs, the podcast version is dropped into the blog. You literally hit play. And then everything that we talk about in, is in chronological order. And it's wonderful because every week I have to put up like 75 different pictures. <laughs> because one of us is a chatty McChatterson. I think his, it's you, Matthew. His name rhymes with Ack. Yeah. <laughs> his name <laughs> rhymes with Yak. His name, oh, Ack. Jack Yaks. This is yeah. another Jack Yak. Guys, uh, spring. Now, Dad, this is an interesting thing, which also rhymes with spring. There are many years where there has been many years where you have been out of horticulture as far as business and spring coming around didn't really give you the tingles, right? No, it was, it just but, meant a lot of work. Well, but what I'm saying is there was, there was many years where you weren't getting those sort of spring tingles, but now with the popularity of the growing season, oh, <laughs> are yeah. the spring tingles back? My yeah, it is, Matt. Is the spidey sense going off? <laughs> it is, Matt. Hey, Matt, did you ever notice when, when, I don't know if you did it as well in, when you were doing landscaping on your own without your pops. Yeah. But we used to go out, say, two weeks prior to when we would start up. And the first thing we would do, is we would go around to the various sites and check, check up jobs. to make sure everything yeah. was in place or everything was doing well, even the interlocking, settling. Do you know, Matt, we had a basically a unlimited... Um, what do you call it? Guarantee period on the interlock. If we put it down, at least two years. Okay, depending on what was where it was. And so I was going to say, if you're putting down a ten thousand square foot driveway, you don't want to have to go back and, <laughs> and fix that it for the next seven years. years from now. No, right? no, it doesn't work. Like you see the Matthew. If you're having problems, they're going to occur in the first year. Or yeah, so, yeah. Okay? And this is also to listen completely one hundred percent off topic. But listen, if you're a homeowner and you are lucky enough to have landed yourself in a new build. And that is contractor slang for your, you are the first person living in a recently built home. One of the things that we recommend doing is never under any circumstances, put down any manner of landscape paver for at least a year after you've moved in. And even a year is pretty premature. I would say two, because your house and your property is going to do all kinds of settling. And even after you get the driveway dug out and they put the base in, Matthew, 
we would always make sure that they left it for six to eight weeks prior yeah. to when we were going to actually physically lay the driveway. Yeah. We used to take great, take great delight in telling the clients, listen, we've, we've dug your driveway out and backfilled. Do you have a neighbor that has a dump truck or do you have something like, <laughs> just, can you have them back over? Even if you are, have compacted the heck out of the thing, the more compaction, the better. And you hope for rain. Sure Let the rain hit that base and big especially time, over spots, and over and over. Especially, Matt, where the spots are, where the tires are located within the, within the vehicles oh. themselves. Dad, you so, know the, like what they're doing now is they're putting a light bed of concrete underneath the whole driveway. Oh, so they're using yeah. that other material. What's it called? Gator? gator no, uh, no, no, no. Dad, they're laying a light bed of concrete underneath the entire driveway. And that's for an interlocked driveway? But what about drainage? I'm not talking a solid one. It's a rough light bed of a concrete. slurry coat. Yeah. Wow, they're putting it gets really expensive. They're putting it underneath the interlock. It's it, it that's nuts. That's nuts. It is. So anyway, this has got nothing to do with spring. Sure. Well, it does. Okay, <laughs> Kinda, it does. Yeah. But Matt, so we're sitting on lawns first. You're saying yes. Okay, sure, Matt. So the, the idea, Matt, when you go out onto a job or you go, or even people who own their home own homes. Okay, so they go outside. Then the first thing they should do is observe what has happened over the winter time. Yes. So what does their property look like? You know, is there a lot of damage from, from snow plows or from your snow blowers or whatever? I've been seeing a lot of posts about moles. A lot of mold this year, yes. Yeah, a lot of moles this year. Moles or mold? Like, you mean voles or moles? Moles. Like, like you, little you little the animals? Little, yeah. The little rodents? What about them? You can see the, like, oh, the, yeah, you can sure. see the lines and everything all through it. Yeah. And that's surprising because when we had snow cover this winter, we had snow cover. Yeah. But we did not have a lot of snow cover. Like no, it was not, no. it wasn't like November hit and bang, we're done, we're in, right? Not like back in the 80s. Well, don't, don't you remember Pat's um, method for keeping the mole issues down? Keep the grass short. Keep the grass short going yeah. into the fall. So your last cut should be cut short so that they're visible to the predators from above. Right. Even cats and so forth. Yeah. Now, granted, though, if you're leaving some of your leaves on your lawn, then that's a home. Right. Yeah, I agree, Matt. Yeah. But the idea is, Matt, it costs nothing to observe. So when you go out there, it costs you nothing. So walk the property, have a look, see what damage it was done. I said plows and so forth. But one of the biggest things is people who salt their walks, their driveways, yep. and especially a lot the snow plows when they plow snow up along the curbs near your, yep. at the top end of your driveways. Yeah. And Matt, what happens there is we start getting problems with salt buildup and it damages the grass below. And so do you have any idea how we can take care of that? Well, there's this miracle, there's this miracle weapon called gypsum. Gypsum, yeah. Now, I had not heard about this treatment until, got to be some of the early stages of the growing season. And this came from my uncle. For those that are chiming in for the first time, welcome. My uncle Pat is also in the in the business of, of horticulture. And my dad's brother, Jimmy, for a while, was also in, in horticulture. It's this a family affair. Yeah. It's a family affair. And now my dad's son is involved in, in horticulture. And his grandson, who's seven, has taken an active interest in being out and, and helping daddy outside. Well, let's sure. face it. Like on your mother's side, Jack, they're farmers. So we're just like specialized farmers somewhat. So, you're, so we're always outstanding in our field, right? Matt? Yeah. <laughs> oh! Now, your family or your ancestors or our ancestors that did manage to survive and come over during during the Great 1850s, Hunger. 1850s, yes. They must have not stayed in the cities and ventured out. No, they moved out. Yeah, because they were they were farmers, right? Was it your Uncle John, you said, that was Captain Innovation as far as agriculture? Was it your oh, Uncle John? He was John? doing things that you would never see back then. He was doing a lot of the, the more leaving things fallow and so forth. He was not one that used a lot of chemicals. He didn't believe in using a lot of chemicals. He tried to use what was in, in play and use it within the environment itself. He never tried to do something that was going to hurt the environment. Right. He was really quite good. And he would leave acres and acres and acres, Matt, in fallow so that they would not have issues as so, far as fertilizing. So then while we're on this then, because I don't think I've ever asked you this question on air, why horticulture? Why landscaping? Matt, like, originally I wanted to be a... Botanist. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. No, not at all. Hey, John, in, <laughs> at, at, at NYU, that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> no, I, I didn't think I had the brain for it. Oh, you I, do. We got I know. But Matt, can we get back to gypsum for a minute? Yes. So the uh, material itself is not a replacement for fertilizer, Matt. It's actually a Band-Aid for your lawn. So what's really cool about it, gypsum have two things in it, Matt, sulfur and calcium. 
Now, the reason why sulfur is so important is sulfur actually contains, it actually helps uh, with proteins, enzymes, vitamins, that kind of idea, Matt. Everything that goes into making of chlorophyll. Why is that so important? Well, I'll just say, I have, I have a lot of sulfur after Taco Bell, let me tell you. <laughs> okay, so yes, everything that goes into making chlorophyll, well, for our audience that probably knows, chlorophyll is the foundation for basically plant growth. This is this is a massive part of photosynthesis. Sure, you need it before they actually have sex, okay, Matt? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You have to eat you have before to eat you, first and then you, you have, have sex. That's it, yes. Right. Yeah. But Matt, the idea is the second thing within the gypsum is actually called calcium. Now, calcium is cool because what it does is it adjusts the pH within the soil itself, okay? So what it does is it, it, it eliminates the problems with urine. It eliminates problems with salt damage and so forth on your lawn. So that is why this gypsum product is so, so inexpensive and yet is a great way to go about helping your lawn in the long now, run. Now, then here is my question for you. Now, I already know the answer, but just for the sake of argument and just for good radio, why, in the name of everything pure, aren't these grass companies, and not necessarily people cutting the grass, but the guys that come out with the fertilizer and the this and the that, why aren't they espousing the virtues of Mr. Gypsum? Because they're not informed. They're not informed, Matthew. Okay, because to me... This is one of these inside pieces of information that when Pat from Best Cut mentioned it, I was like, what the hell are you talking about? I've never heard of it. Gypsum in the walls, like drywall. Well, that idea, Matthew, you know what limestone screenings is. That's yeah, pretty well the same thing. Why but aren't, why isn't Weed Man or whatever? Why informed. aren't they? Or maybe not they're informed. just real proponents Maybe not really well educated. I don't know, man. You told me that a lot of these ones that are going out into the field, that these landscapers and so forth that are stepping on people's sites are not highly educated in the field. Is that true? Or is that just a I, statement you made to your dad? I don't know. But just based on what we see on sites or based on what we see that people are considering to be landscaping, the quality or the, the knowledge of plant materials has degraded in the last 20-odd years. Absolutely degraded. Right? Am I right? Come on, sure. you see the stuff. Sure. You're out on sites with oh, me. Oh, I agree. I, I go out there and the plant same stake in boxwood on every job site. And, and cedars. Okay, thuias. Right? Oh. oh, there's your Latin alert, Matt. Thanks, Dad. Uh, but anyways, Matt, the idea is that salt damage occurs within ten days. So if it's on the lawn for at least ten days, so that snow that you're shoveling back from your walkways yeah. or up along your curbs, if that's on that lawn for any longer than ten days, which it is, and by the time spring comes along, the roots do not. They cannot definiate between what is the nutrient. Did you just say definiate? Is that a wrong word? Is that even a word? I is definiate know. even a word? I don't know. <laughs> I, I got to go look that up. Distinguish, okay. distinguish. between. <laughs> no, I like definiate. I think we should use that again. I'm not sure uh, what it means. I once <laughs> used the word evoluted. <laughs> that's not a, that's not, that's not not a, a word. word. No. But Matt, you, you, they can't. The roots of the plant themselves cannot really tell the difference between what is good for them and what is not good. How's that? Yes. Uh, and so what they chips. said is if you, even if. <laughs> <laughs> what? What did you say? Kind of like me eating chips. They're not yeah. good for me. Right, right. Now, can you definiate between the two? <laughs> anyway. Uh, okay. We're getting off track, Matt. <laughs> yes. But Matt, and anyways, if even if you didn't do the gypsum treatment, if we had a lot of rain in the spring. It helps. That's, that's perfect because it'll wash it past the, the root yeah. system. Yeah. So it cannot yeah, acquire it. Just, it. You tr- it's basically diet diluting it. Sure. Once it get, gets below the root system of the lawn itself, it's not going to do anything because it can't absorb it through the roots otherwise, right? Yeah. But Matt, what's interesting about it is that because this happens, it tries to absorb it. And when it absorbs it, it's like being in a desert because it automatically... I know. And then what it does is it... Well, if it's a plant, it, it, kicks, shed, off the it kicks off the leaves yes. to try to balance everything out. Sure. But Matt, yeah. the idea that everybody, I don't care who you are, are going to do some sort of a salting method on their walkways in the spring unless they have heated cables within the box themselves i'll tell you guess how much i'm not even kidding guess how much salt we used on our uh front walk this winter no idea none really how? we used one bag we used none really well no got what we used what sure sand just sand oh, really just but you must have down. shoveled right away after it snowed yeah. right yeah. Shoveled right away after it snowed and then i just literally sprinkled sand i think down. i put i think i put uh stuff on our walkway once or twice but it was mainly the driveway yeah and so anyways, Matt, another thing that happens that people get a lot at this time of the year, especially in the spring, is they get snow mold. 
And snow mold occurs because it's basically, just think of it as algae on your lawn. Yeah. Okay, and algae in a, in, a, in a basin of some kind, in a, in a water feature, gets kind of a dis, uh, discolorated and so forth as it breaks down. But algae... Basically- <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. Did you just say discolorated? <laughs> it's discolored. <laughs> you can't definiate between the two of them. What the hell are you talking about, man? <laughs> Have you slipped into a gear here? What's going on? Well, Mom cut me off last Disc- night. She was oh, sick none of my flu. business. Cut me off the flu. The flu. <laughs> but know, Matt, the idea is that it it really can't tell what it's getting. But yeah. just think about um, if you get. Oh, I said um, by the way. But if you just think, <laughs> you're a disaster. I'm man. tired. Tired tonight, man. But if you think about with moss, uh, moss. <laughs> if you think about mold. <laughs> Your thinking is kind of moldy. Oh, I got this it. This has been want a me clear. To do the snow mold. All right. I saw snow mold. Okay, show. mom. Yeah, you, you know what? Maybe you should let him <laughs> sit down for a second. All yeah, right. I actually let him never. Rest. I've never noticed it. I'm sure it was there, but I walked off our front walkway onto the lawn and I saw what looked like this kind of gray, opaque film on the grass, and I thought, is that snow mold? So when I came back in, I mentioned it to Jack, and he said, Yeah, I've never seen it. I'll, okay, I'll tell you something. This is interesting. When I was involved in landscaping years ago, I was never affected by anything as far as allergies and such in the spring, ever. Because you're out on sites and you built up a tolerance to it. Then when I got away from it... Snow mold. Big time. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so I'm Give curious people. to know now back being in landscaping full tilt boogie, I'm curious to know if, if I'm going to build up some sort of a resistance to it again. But it's it's awful. Like it? it takes the breath right out of your and sure, some people lungs. get headaches from it. Yeah, and, some and you people, get the, the eyes yeah. going on. Absolutely. Yeah. But you know what? Matt, Are you get, better, Dad? I am a little better now. <laughs> Have we hit a reset? I had a reset. So Matt, anyways, what what happens with with snow mold is it generally occurs right on the very tips of the actual blades of grass itself. Okay. Yeah. And it's predominantly a cold weather thing. Okay. So it would occur in, underneath the snow over the winter as it turns into spring. So it needs some temperatures. Below 55 degrees but Fahrenheit. Isn't it because of the snow's insulating properties? Well, it's part of it. It just allows, just think of if you threw a piece of plastic or a piece of wood yeah. on, the, on the lawn, yeah. and you'll notice it'll get a, a whitish look to it when it, underneath it because it's getting lack of chlorophyll. Yeah. Plus, it's also getting a, an, an area from which fungus and so forth can build up. Yeah. But it's really cool, Matt. It's not really cool for the lawn, but it's cool how it works. But, Matt, there's all sorts of things out there. There's something called dollar spot. There's another one called fairy ring. There's all these other things, which are basically, just think of those as, oh, let's call them fungus or, or mushrooms. What is, what is fairy ring? This sounds like something that my little five-year-old would like. Mm. It's a ring on mm. a fairy? Yeah. I'm in. <laughs> yeah, actually, Matt, no. Actually, fairy ring is uh, because the, it has to do with the releasing of nitrogen, okay, and other nutrients. The soil is, in, is uh, an organic, okay, underneath, which is growing medium for the lawn itself. And it's degraded by this fungus. Just think of how a mushroom works yep. within the, when it's breaking down actual organic matter. Yeah. And it's the same idea with the lawn. So it will use that instead of the actual underneath the ground area to actually use to, to feed itself. So it's feeding off the lawn. It's like a little bunch of mushrooms growing all over your lawn, but they're in the shape of a ring. And it's really, on again, on the cool side. And a lot of it has to do with... You could get rid of it, Matt, by raking it. And, and uh, especially if the weather gets you know, drier and warmer exposure to sunlight and so forth so you could take a fan rake and so forth and go over it and then remove any of it some people will take their lawnmower along and they will cut over top of it and get rid of it that way huh. but otherwise a lot of times you just rake it away add your triple mix topsoil a bit of your all-purpose grass seed yeah and, and you're good. good to go yep i agree i agree now the 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 question then comes up now that you've mentioned triple mix topsoil and grass seed the proper time to be overseeding coming in the spring. Now, what Pat McFarland has told us is seed likes to be able to germinate basically 24 hours a day. So it's not definiate, right? It's not, <laughs> yes. We, the seed is not definiating or discolorating or whatever the heck, the other completely butchering of the language. But so what he said is the, the, the more nights that you have that get below freezing, the slower the grass is going to be to germinate. So therefore, the deeper into March that you get and into April, where the nights are now above freezing, the better it is to be 
seating, as well as what Pat always said was, dew is the number one ally for grass seed germination. If the mornings are dewy, which means that you would have a difference in ground temperature versus uh, air temperature, that's where the grass tends to germinate the best. That would be late summer into the fall. Yeah, but you would also have dewy mornings in the early in the early spring, wouldn't you? As as well. Sure. Again, not, difference in air temperature yeah. versus versus but if ground you wanted temperature. To, if you wanted to correct something in the spring, early spring before the first cut, it's a great time to do it. The lawn's not growing. You're not worried about whether or not you're going to be spreading the the soil and the seed around when you're when you're running your lawn more. Well, over and, it. and while we're on the topic of this about things kind of being in you know things kind of being asleep. I have a job in the Oakville area, Lasha, if you're listening, I can't wait to get on your site, that we have to transplant a bunch of stuff. And we're going to do it early spring, basically once the frost is, is out of the ground. And when they're, they're dormant. Re- when, they're, when they're still sleepy, right? So if you've got something that you're looking to move that is able to be moved, like by the way, if, if you have a sand cherry, don't ever bother moving it. <laughs> it's just not going to work. But the point is that like that... If you've got things that you need to move around early in the spring, as early as you can get out when they're still kind of asleep, even your evergreens are on what, 15% capacity or 20% capacity? They're basically hibernating. They're not really drawing much of anything. They're not making any leaves. They're not even thinking about that yet. No. Because there's not much movement of uh, through their capillaries, right, Matt? So, oh, look at you. Oh, we're back. Look we're at back. that. We're not definiating or coloring. Xylem and phloem tubes. Yes, yes, yes. But Matt, now, if it's male, it would be xylem, right? Sure. I got it. <laughs> but Matt, when you go out in the spring, again, this, let's stay away from the fungus and everything else that is nasties that you can get on your lawn. Yep. But number one is when you go out there and you notice, okay, in the spring, everybody has to clean up all the mess that's happened over the winter. Yeah. So they'd be using things like sticks and rock, moving all the sticks and rocks and anything else that is accumulated through the plows and everything else over the winter. Your doggies' okay. gifts. Your doggies' gifts. Of, what is it? Berries, bombs, and uh, uh, rovers' relics. Rovers', rovers <laughs> relics. Rovers' relics. Yeah. There are already posts about people that are having to get out there and clean up the the, the remains, and they say it's in some cases it's rubbermaid garbage containers full. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Awful, yeah. but in that case, Matthew, gypsum again, okay, because it would neutralize right. any of the the feces or the the urine from your animal. Yeah, but you got to okay. pick the poop up. You can't leave it. Sure, you can. Yes, poop absolutely. You don't something. want that. Yeah, but, but Matt, the, the idea is that once you've cleaned up your lawn and everything, it gives you a really good idea of what's ex- what's existing out there, how how everything is looking on your larger areas. We would also do top dressing in the spring. Explain explain top dressing, Matthew. Top dressing is where you would take an area. That is either got damaged grass or grass that underperformed or grass that was damaged over the winter, whatever it is. You put a light layer of triple mixed topsoil. We always recommend bringing in in sterilized topsoil so you're not transporting somebody else's weeds into your into your area. Absolutely, even if, both your flower beds and your front lawn, because you don't want to be, be introducing weeds into your front lawn. And you put like a light layer of topsoil. It's used to cover up those areas as well as, as if you need to do any sort of light. Light grading or light leveling of your front lawn. This is the time to do it. You would put your layer down, stamp on it, maybe put a bit more uh, like a light skiff over top, and then broadcast grass seed. Do not put fertilizer down with your grass seed. But remember, one point you must remember that in order for your grass to actually really look like it's taken and taken off and and growing properly, is the very first grass seeds that come up in the spring are your annual ryegrass, which is the first one, and then your perennial ryegrass, which is basically just cattle feed. It's a nurse crop that protects the bluegrasses that are going to be coming up in roughly well, three weeks' And time. I was going to say, too, the annual ryegrass is the one that, that comes up, and it basically provides cover for the rest of the seed. Nurse. It's just basically wait. Yeah, just like a, I mean like a nurse crop, right? Yeah, and the yeah. idea is if you want to speed up the whole process, let's say you're using grass seed, stick it in the freezer the night before, even the day before, and that way, that it, what it'll do is it'll, it'll allow the grass seed to probably save you about one week of time on the actual germination, germination process of the lawn itself. Because you're vernalizing seed. it? You're vernalizing it. Kind of, that idea. It's just a chill process, Matthew. And yeah, it, work, it works very well. You're talking about, wait a minute. You, you, you move the, the, the Rocky Road ice cream over and you drop the bag of grass yeah, seed. People have bags, uh, uh, sorry, um, refrigerators in their garages. Yeah. They could put it in the refrigerator even for a few days prior to when they want to use it. 
and it will speed things up immensely, Matt. The Probably refrigerator or the freezer, you said? You can do either one. If, let's say, you want to stick it. Anything's better than nothing, okay? Just sitting in a dry bag in your shed isn't going to do anything. Okay, wait a minute then. So why aren't Agrimart and Co-op, why aren't they storing these things in fridges? You have your COVID vaccine, and beside yeah, it, you have your grass seed. <laughs> because they don't want the grass seed to germinate. They want it for storage on the shelves. That's why. They don't right. want it growing, Okay. But okay. Matt, and but it this, won't grow in the freezer. It won't grow in the freezer. But what it does is it stimulates the actual germination process. I think it's much like potatoes and apples. I think it's the uh, what's the ethylene? Ethylene. I think what happens is the grass seed and the COVID vaccine they can't coexist. <laughs> I've woken up. Oh no! Yes, you've woken up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were a little sputtery out of the gate there, but I wasn't ever looting or anything. You right? weren't. <laughs> You were definiating, though, yeah. let me tell you. I'll tell you. Okay. So wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait one question here. So 30 the spring is a spring is a great time for aerating and detaching. So aerating is good in the spring because it's easy to remove the plugs and the machine works very well. And it's a great time to do it. Yeah. The thatching is only done if you have one inch of thatch at the base of the lawn, on the base of the lawn. And therefore, if it's one inch, you're good for the summer. And that work keeps it from drying out in the summer. And it's also an insulating thing in the winter. Now, if I had a dethatching machine, I would literally paint the name Margaret on it. And it could be Margaret, Margaret Thatcher. Dethatcher. Margaret Dethatcher. We're going to continue the horrendously awful jokes on the other side. She's Lynn. He's Jack. I'm Matt. And this is The Growing Season on News Talks, like a 960 AM. We're back. The growing season on News Talks, like a 960 AM. Follow along with us, growingseasoncanada.com. Click on Show Bits. It's the visual accompaniment to the show. Whilst we're still on lawns, wanted to make sure that we give you another little bit of tidbit of information. Pat McFarland of Best Cut, the legendary Pat McFarland, he was saying to make sure on your first cut of your lawn, whenever that is, when, when, like whenever you deem that to be essential... And you'll know because it's, you know, if you're looking like you need a combine to get the lawn cut, that's probably a good time to cut the lawn. Don't, don't sharpen your blades. Don't put a fresh blade on it. And the reason is you're going to be getting all kinds of winter guck on that lawn, whether it's sticks or rocks or whatever. And there's no point putting a brand new blade sharpening on your lawnmower blade when you, when you're going to be getting into all that sort of aggregate and yuckiness. And then you have listeners that are like, wait a minute, I'm supposed to sharpen the lawnmower blade? Yes. Once a year. Well, not once a year. We would do it. So audience, I uh, I actually worked for Pat McFarland for years and years and years. And he wasn't running push mowers and such. It was these big, at the time it was something called a Steiner, which is one of those big red law machines. You actually seen these things before. They have rear wheel steering and they're used for cutting golf courses or used for cutting large estate properties, big commercial stuff. And so we would put a fresh angle, we would put a fresh sharpening on the blades once a week, literally once a week. In fact, that I remember in the spring, he would get us to prop the front deck of the machine up. Let's say we started cutting on a Monday. By Wednesday, he would get us to prop the front deck of the machine up and we would just put a light little edge on all the blades midway through the week because in the spring, the grass is, it is man, like it is big and thick. Right. And then by the time summer hits, it gets a little bit, it gets like a bit wispier, but that thick heavy duty grass would actually dull the blades or put a slight dull on them by like Wednesday. Yeah. And so Pat said that if, as long as you're not, okay. So once you put the new set of blades on, he says you could be good for months. And he was saying that in the end, that if you had these sharp set of blades on, as long as you're not hitting rocks yep. or bottoming out in wet areas, he said, you should be absolutely good to go for even for the entire season. Really? Yeah, just as long as you're you're a little more careful. So we don't don't hit the edges of of your patios or your any sort of interlocking stone or high areas on your yeah. on your driveways and so forth. But he said just be a little bit careful. And he says you could get the whole season out. And by the way, he said you can tell if the blades are dull because the tips go kind of a brown. 
and he says, you know, you're not cutting. Or there's an in, uneven cutting on the grass yep. itself. But now let's move on to beds. Yep. So well, so, so my dad is, is suggesting dragging your queen size bed out of the oh. house <laughs> onto your front lawn? No? No, not at no. all. No, okay. That Flo- wouldn't be a restful Flower seat. beds. So Matt, you walk out in the spring again, have yep. a look, mm-hmm. walk through the beds and see what you think. But number one thing, before you even decide to do any work whatsoever, Lynn, is what? Well, you would do some soil enhancements on your beds, wouldn't you? No, before that. No, clean them up. Get no, all the sticks. Before then. Oh, remove the leaves and dirt that you No, put. even before then. Why don't you say it? Okay. <laughs> she struck out four times yeah, here, man. Yeah, I'm back okay. on the bed. How do you know if the blasted bed is safe enough to be oh, working in? yes. Okay, there's a big one, Matthew. Compacting the soil makes a soil un- in- incapable of drawing proper nutrients, okay, for plant material. So if you walk into the beds and you end up getting these flippers on your bloody feet because there's so much mud and you sink into the ground, the ground is too wet to work on. Right. So the idea is you want to make sure that the ground is not too wet. And this is a great thing for my clients. Stop calling me. It's too early. I can't get on your sites yet. So- Listen. Look, if you want to have a skid steerer sunk into your front lawn, <laughs> let's do it. Let's go sure. right now. I agree. I agree, <laughs> the Matthew. Customers always get really frisky about four weeks, five weeks too early. Well, we we, we would never really get going until the second or third week of April. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, sometimes uh, under unusual circumstances, I remember early 2000s, we were doing it middle to end of March, which was absolutely unheard of. But we back, were tearing out a timber wall. I remember it was, it was middle of March. Okay, back to... Getting your beds ready for spring. Yeah. So the reason why, I just said, you you sink in, that's not a good thing. So when do you know it is a good thing to be working in that garden, Mom, again? You can pick the dirt up in your hand and squish it. And if it, it's dry and it crumbles, that's when it's good. If you pick it up and you squish it and all this water runs out, it's it's too wet still. Right. So it's supposed to be like a, like a sponge. Yes? Yes. All right. Okay. So, all right, so let's say soil is ready to be worked. Now what? So, Matt, everything in the spring, almost all the nutrients and everything within that soil are, are pretty well depleted from the following season or previous season, right? Okay, so, you, so now we're talking compost. Sure, so you can put your compost, if you've been doing that all winter, you can put that on your garden, that's good to go. If you've been doing composting all winter. Some people compost in the winter, they either bring them indoors into okay. their garages, right. or they can even cover them with, with straw or hay in the winter, and they still work just fine. Okay. But Matt, the idea is that's perfect. The, it, there's a good mix within there. The actual compost is uh, almost, uh, I think it's uh, six to eight range as far as the pH. Okay. But Matt, the idea is in the end, you want to have something in your garden that's going to be good to take care of your garden. What would that be, Matthew? Well, like people are like are using a whole lot of sea compost. That's a big one right now, right? The the ocean compost. I'm talking something that actually is withering around within the soil itself. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to talk about worms. Uh, So, yeah, we're going to be talking about worms. This is, yeah, stuff's going to go completely sideways. All right, Not really. Okay, so Matt, earthworms are a good uh, barometer. And there's another word for your your garden. What else is a good barometer for your garden? Ferns. Ferns. And? Um, Hydrangeas. Potentilla. And potentilla. Potentella tells you if it's too dry, too wet, and so forth, and it yeah. won't bloom as much, and so forth. Ferns are a great barometer because they tell you all the way along if it's too dry, if it's too too acidy, alkaline, and so forth. But Matt, earthworms also don't want us to hang out in your garden unless the conditions, or the pH conditions, are in the five to eight range. So your compost basically would be almost spot on for the earthworm. But Matt, everything to do with the leaves, the leaves that you would work in, the leaf mold, anything you could think of. Even manure, Matt. Fantastic. So all those things are great for the earthworm. Now, we have a number of clients that are now looking to get into the little leaf mold area on their property. I have one in Oakville and, I, and one in Caledon or one in uh, the Brampton area. Bill Danbrook is thinking about They're getting put the screen up and do yep. it. With because the, I think it's okay. Well, and yeah. you get so many leaves. So, guys, explain this. Explain how this would go down as far as like the leaf mold thing. Well, the idea is, Matthew, they want it to actually rot okay so the basically after a while what's going to happen is if you put it in the right location so in this case i would imagine it would have to be in a sunny location so it would break down quickly you want the microbials and so forth to take over and break down the material that's within the yep. the screened area itself yeah putting it in the shade i don't think it would work like your composter your composter on the other hand you want it to be 
as shaded as possible because what happens is all the microbials breaking down the organic matter within your composter don't like the temperatures to get too hot or they just won't function. They die. Yeah. So 140 to 160 degrees inside that composter will kill if you're doing will kill those microbials, but it would also kill any earthworms if you're doing vermicomposting. So there's a reason why you don't do it very often. But Matt, these are a different thing. You want them to rot. The idea is put layer on layer. Some people mix a bit of dirt and so forth with it and do it in layers and it breaks it down a lot quicker. But Matt, your lawnmower, the person wanted to run them through the lawnmower, that would speed up the process as well. But Matt, the idea is that these earthworms are doing so much more than you would ever imagine. Yeah, what they I do, agree. They take hard pan, okay? What? They'll take packed soil. They'll take soil that has been compacted very much and they will loosen it up enough they put all the little Well, they're tunnels. nature's aeration. Absolutely. And if you don't know if you knew any of this, Matt, but there are, let's say you took an acre of, of area of a farm or whatever, a person's yard. There's approximately 12 million earthworms within one acre. Wow. So that's a lot of stinking earthworms. But think about this. That's a lot of slime. It's a lot of slime. It's slime time. <laughs> it's a lot of earthworms. Yeah. But Matt, just think about this. 12 million earthworms in that one acre will produce 40 tons of castings manure. Okay, yes, this is warm manure. By the way, just so we're, just to station ID here, this is the growing season on News Talks, like 960 AM. Follow along with us, growingseasoncanada.com. Click on show bits because you're going to see lots of pictures of worms <laughs> and you're going to see lots of pictures of poop. Look, I'll worms get off of worms shortly. <laughs> but, but Matt, the idea is though, so they also move throughout their body about another 20 tons of material through their body as like moving soil. So they're great. They're, they're actually, over the course of their life? Or no, over the, in one year. Yeah, one 20 year, tons. 20 tons and 40 tons of casting. So they're pooping a lot. And by the way, castings is really important because it's good. It helps with nutrient uptake within the plants themselves. So this is how plants are able Why to get... Why do they call them castings? Poop. What do you want to say? Worm poop? Can yes. Say worm yeah, poop. I want to say poop. worm poop. But here's another thing that nobody ever imagines what these little worms do for you, okay? So worms also eat... Weed seeds, okay? They will eat weed seeds. So okay. they put, they actually take them through their body. But what happens is when they pass through a worm's body, they, they become sterile. They can't grow. So worms are also sterilizing all those so weed seeds. So what you're saying is that if you want to, if you want to, like a rudimentary version of birth control, is you would just get eaten by a worm. Well, <laughs> that would have to be one hell of a big worm. Yeah, it would have to be one big worm. Yeah, it's like Tremors. Remember that movie yeah, Tremors? Yeah, yes. That was great. <laughs> but you that know what, Matt? It, it, a worm's only about 33 grams, 35 grams. That's a big one, okay? Yeah. But uh, there's one really cool thing about worms. I'm going to hit that, would you? You can eat them. Actually, they're very nutritious. Yum. They're considered a super fruit, food. They're high in protein. They have high levels of iron, amino acids that break down... <laughs> Uh, you know what? Food and repair body tissue. They contain copper, manganese, and zinc. You can roast them. You can fry them. You can chop them. You can dehydrate them. But you have to boil them. Make them in the you... flour as well. Yeah, yeah. You <laughs> have them to boil them first. And then you could say lay them. Doesn't lay that the... sound delicious, Matthew? Lay the boiled worms out on a cookie sheet and sprinkle them with garlic salt and salt and pepper and roast them in the oven at about 325 degrees for 15 minutes, and you have yourself a really and, healthy, nutritious And for dieters out there, you guys are weirdos, man. <laughs> like, seriously, what, what, like... Well, hey, they're putting crickets in flour. Like, they're grinding up crickets I, and putting I know, it in flour. I know, Well, now but they might the be doing But the fact that you guys, like, I w- that's information where if I was looking at it, I'd be like, ah, that's, yeah, I don't, want, I don't even want to know. But you guys go hard down that stuff, right? Now... My, for ladies and gentlemen, my father will not eat a Brussels sprout. But, but he'll eat a worm. He'll no. eat a worm. No, he won't eat a worm. He won't eat a worm. Well, of course, you never eat them raw. because No, never, of course yeah, not. Yeah, no, why would you? That's just uncouth and completely. And just think about this, Matt. Uh, there were only, let's think about There were only roughly three quarters of a calorie per Which end are you supposed to eat first, the male or the female? It makes no difference. Uh. Once, you, once you fry them, once you fry them <laughs> up. Once you fry them up, them up just you can't chips. tell anyway. But you know what? They could be the superfood of the of future. Of the future. Yeah. Now they worms. Be, worms. Worms. We're talking about worms. Worms. And they have all sorts of other things in them. I think there's copper and a yeah, number of other things. Manganese and zinc. And zinc and everything. Lots of protein. Of. By the way, Matt, they help, they help uh, heal 
body tissue that has been injured. So they're actually way better than you would ever imagine. So this is awesome. We're going to three little letters here. YGF, as in you go first. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to okay. do it, Matt. We're going to do it on a live landline. It's being done on landline. We're going to try and earn I'm not eating... <laughs> Okay, with garlic and salt and pepper, you'll no, be good to go. No, it's the garlic. What you, you, you're, you're garlicking a worm. Okay, all right, ladies and gentlemen, Wednesday evenings, and we're uh, we're just getting our schedule set up for how often we're doing this. But Wednesday evenings, seven p.m. all across Facebook. Actually, you know what? This is a wonderful opportunity. Okay, if you're on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, we would love you to take part in the live version of. The landline. Now, the landline is the sister program to the growing season. The issue is that we we get so much information through the course of our research for these shows that it just sits. There just there's information. Now we could hold that information and then dump it into a show next season. But what we do is mostly because my dad just can't help himself. Is because <laughs> we basically we will take the information that we haven't got to and we use the landline as an expansion piece on the growing season. And it's proven to be very, very popular. In fact, popular enough that we have now the growing season is now behind a Facebook gardening group. We are members of a bunch of Facebook gardening groups, but we are now behind one. We are now not sponsoring one, but we are the we have our hands deeply into one, and it's called Canadian Horticulture. If you if 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 you go search us up on Facebook, Canadian Horticulture is is the group, and the landline will air there 7 p.m. Wednesday evenings, and it's the companion piece to to the growing season. It's it's fantastic. So, anyways, Matt, back to supplements for one sec. Let's get away from the little friend, the earthworm. Oh my God, really? Yeah. But Matt, so people who are going out, like I said, leaves are fantastic because they are they're, uh, they will lighten your heavy soils and so forth. But they also are good for dry time. So if you want something that's going to keep moisture within the summer, they're perfect. Okay. But here's what another thing they do: they they're a great source of carbon to break to balance the nitrogen that's available from those leaves themselves. So they actually will actually balance the nitrogen within the soil. So leaves are perfect. Okay. Okay. One of those perfect things. But people will also go around and they'll put grass clippings. What's your thought on that? Okay, now hold up a second though. There is some there is some school of thought that goes to you should be leaving your cleanup of your flower beds for as long as you humanly can because many of the little insects and creatures that have laid their eggs and whatever. I agree. They might yeah. have laid their eggs in your daylily, especially the early daylily leaves, yeah. or yeah. whatever it is, yeah. or something. So it's interesting because normally, like in years past, I would have taken my front flower beds and I would have, I would have grabbed my salvia and snipped it off. I would have grabbed even my lavender and completely snipped those off to let's say six to eight inches above the ground. My hostas, whatever. Sure. I didn't do any of that this year. No, you would cut them down just below the ground level. Yeah, and it's just mostly at, at ground level. Sorry. Well, yeah, and it's mostly because you got clients that that want their flower beds to look a certain way, but. That was also our fault, too, because sure. we were the ones espousing the virtues of getting everything cleaned up. Hey, man, no, I can no, charge X it number. It wasn't of, that. It was more like they wanted it cleaned up and yeah, they just followed their, their orders. But but if we had kicked up more of a fuss sure. and said, listen, like, you don't necessarily have to clean all of this up now. In fact, you got some of your pollinators. Like, your ladybugs are laying eggs and stuff sure. in, your, in, your, in your daily leaves. So then... So the thing about the leaves that being like, so people leave the leaves on them over the winter, which is fine if they want to do that. Yeah. It's a little bit messy, but anyway. Did, did you guys pull all your no, leaves off? No, we did no, not. No, actually. No, on our bulbs and stuff, we leave it. Do you know why you leave it on your bulbs? What do you mean? Well, you leave the leaves over your bulb areas. Why do you do that? Because it insulates. Okay, so why do you take them off in the spring? I don't know. You don't want to insulate anymore. You want them to start waking up. You want them to come out right. of that vernalization period. Right. And you want them to wake up. I don't so everything wakes up at different times. Yeah. So you will find that your snowdrops or your uh, bluebells and crocus and everything would start first. And you end up with your tulips, daff- daffodils, tulips, and uh, allium and, say, fritillaria. Oh, yeah. There's going to be a ton of, of that. that in. Oh, thanks, by the way. But yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. love bulbs. But the last time we planted but, about 300 bulbs, it was a squirrel buffet. So no. what about the clippings again? You didn't mention it. You didn't answer. So what, problem. using the clippings uh, to, what, insulate your flower beds or whatever? Yeah. No. Nope. People do that. No way. Well, they said that they're high in nitrogen. That makes sense because they're grass, Yeah, but right? guess what they bring into the beds? Yeah. Grass seed. But grass here's, seed. The, here's the big, oh, grass seed. It's crazy. Really, you it's be really sure. Yeah. But just think about grass clippings for one minute, Matt. pH. 8.5 to 9.5. So alkaline. And not, not just that. It also, they release ammonia when they break down. 
which actually reduces the amount of nutrient within your soil. So you've got to be careful that you match it with something else. So put your clippings in, put your compost in, put your manure in, mix them about. We even add 15, 30, 15. But Matt, wait a minute. So one thing you must be very careful of, never use ammonia-based fertilizers. Why? Why? Mom? It's hard on worms. It'll kill the worms. Yeah. Be careful with any of the synthetics, Matt. Now, wait a minute. But when you were using ammonia nitrate... You're killing the worms. Okay, so... You're killing the worms. Audience members, ammonia nitrate is a... It's something that will melt ice for the winter, but is not damaging to your landscape pavers or your natural stone. And it's also acts as a fertilizer, but you're saying that anything that's synthetic-based... Is bad the ammonia-based is, is bad for the worms. Sure, and again, and anything more natural. So your, your chicken manures, your, your bird manures, even though they're a little bit high in nitrogen, are probably good for your soil. And when we would use, Matt, as you know, we use cattle, cow, um, sheep, that kind of idea yeah. as well. I would not recommend using your dog feces in the no, soil because no. then you add issues with roundworm, okay? Yeah. But Matt, the idea And that, dog crap just and stinks. And dog yeah. crap in the yeah. bed. Who wants it's to be working well, in that garden? Eaters, so it stinks and, yeah. So, oh, but Matt, anyways, the idea is, in the end, you want this complete environment to grow your plants. You want them to do well. Yeah. So you want everything to be working properly. So we would, at this time of the year, yes, we'd cut all our perennials down to just, just above the ground. And we would make sure that we're careful with all of the little bulbs that are poking their heads up so we're not stomping them. You want to, you want to yeah. stomp all these new perennials that are popping their heads up as well. But you also want, must make sure that, in the end, Matthew, yeah. that you, as you're doing all of this, just be aware of what is going on around you. What are your shade light conditions like? That big maple that's hanging over the bed, you're thinking, oh, I have a great idea. Let's put some sort of new plant in here that takes shade or is full sun. But, well, the tree's got no leaves on it. Yep. The monitor plants in your garden have no leaves on them. Well, so listen, I'll tell you, I have a client, Lasha, in Oakville. Massive, massive property. And she wanted me to come in and in the fall and make a bunch of notes on what we're going to do in the spring. And this is my first time stepping on her site and guys, well, you haven't been to her site yet, but you're gonna. Mm. So we, I would, I'm walking the site and this was the property where it's like, this is, this is nighttime. It's that shady. It's nighttime at like three o'clock in the afternoon. And I said to her, the first thing that you have to do is open this up. You got to call an arborist in and you got to take out 30% of this, of this foliage. So I went back later on after she had done it. Holy jeez. Like it's wow. completely different. So the light conditions completely Comple- changed. Well, not completely, but, but I enough mean, that you would notice we, it. Dad, we got up to partial shade. All you have to Mom, do. She has three, count them three, black walnut on oh, site. Juggling Niagara. Three. Right? Yeah. Three of them. But you yeah. know what, Matt? Again, wow. <laughs> what, what is happening first thing, thing in the spring is not necessarily a good barometer of what you're going no. to be putting in that garden. No. You've got to think about what is this going to look like in a few weeks' time. Now, granted, if on. it's a new subdivision build or if you're going on the site and it's, there's no... There's nothing there. Then, you, then yeah. you're fine. Then you but if you're stepping onto a mature site, look up. Sure. But Matt, one of these little TGF, TGS tips that you want to be doing, yeah. explain to them about the tarp. The tarp. Oh, okay. So, ladies and gentlemen, one of the number one concerns that clientele have when it comes to especially dealing with interlock is, okay, how do we prevent weeds from getting into interlock? Well, first of all, if your contractor has installed the interlock correctly with the proper amount of base and has jointed it properly and there's the proper sand in between the joints, you shouldn't have a weed issue, okay? And they say, well, but the the shifting of the interlock creates... uh, separates the joint. Well, no, if the base is tamped enough, it should all move together. Regardless, when you are working on any of your walkways that are specifically interlock related, or if you've got areas that you want to keep clean, it's pretty simple. Put a, put a tarp down. Put it by yourself a little bit of a tarp. 10 by just, 12, man. Okay, and then put it on your interlock or put it on whatever area. We, listen, when we have the large machines on site... We want to do as little damage as possible. Some landscapers come in and they do not care about the lawn. They'll just fix it later. We try to do as little damage as possible. So whatever area we can get into and 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 out of easily that's closest to the flower beds. And what we do is we put plywood down on your lawn. Okay. And the tarp is the same idea. If you're working on your interlock or even your tools, Matthew, that you're working with, 
Put them back down on the tarps. So you're not introducing any sort of growing medium yeah. for those bloody weeds that might pop I up. Absolutely, I absolutely agree. Nothing, nothing ticks me off more than you get the interlock patio laid and you haven't sanded it yet. And you got your employees walking through the flower beds or the homeowner walks through the flower beds and it's tracking, tracking topsoil all across. Remember when we were doing your patio? Like everybody yeah. stay out of the flower beds. Stay yeah. off my yeah. blasted interlock. Yeah. And, yeah. and Matthew, you're putting all these new beds in. We are very careful. But the person says, well, after I'm finished working in the, in the garden, they said, I, I just take a garden hose and I hose it all off. That isn't any good, Matthew. The idea is that once you break the, the bonds of those colloids, okay, so colloids are what makes the soil sticky, okay, it makes yeah. it all sticky. So once you break that, it, they become easy, easy, able to move, sorry, within the water itself. 20 seconds. They start to actually create problems. For you, uh, sorry, creating a growing medium for those yeah. weeds. And that's a major issue, Matthew. And who wants to be weeding in your interlock? It sucks. No. I've done it. It's awful. And yeah. that's something you don't want to have happening during the summer, especially when you want to use this patio. And by the way, weeding a patio sucks the big one. And that is a great place. Sucking is a great place to press pause. <laughs> oh, God. You know what? Something I just thought of. I, w- I don't want to be weeding my patio this summer. I want to be enjoying it. <laughs> That's the truth. That's a big patio. It is a and big patio. we have 500 square yeah. foot. It's not a patio you want to necessarily be. Another, who wants you cut cutting the weeds on their patio oh, with the lawnmower? Man. No, we use, a, we use a trimmer. I don't care. It looks ugly. It does look ugly. And then you're putting more weed seeds in between the joints. I, I agree. GrowingSeasonCanada.com. Click on Show Bits. It's the visual coming to the show directly after this show airs. This show itself will be podcasted and dropped into that blog that you are looking at right now. Yes, Pops. I got one word for you. Oh, boy. Go. Two words, actually. Polymeric sand. Yes. That's what, make sure that you have definitely put polymeric in between. That will help a lot of the problems in the future. Agreed. He's talking about the, there's a special jointing sand that you put in between your, your, your interlock. Also, too, if you are concerned about weeds, what you do is avoid any of the real tumbled stone where the edges have been intentionally tumbled off. Get, 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 get yourself, if you're looking at a Unilock product, they have a number of ones that are super square with the tight edges, and they do not allow nearly as much weeds and areas for stuff to grow down. And tarp while working in the bed. Tarp yeah. while working in your beds. On your interlock areas. And I absolutely surfaces. agree. I've got lots of beds to work around and my patio, so you I got have to remember tons. that. And you got tons. And save some of those big buckets or those containers back from some of your plants and they're good for putting all those garbage weeds that you're taking out of the bed. It's the truth. It's and the your, truth. Conti- what, is it? what is the thing that you put your weeds into? What is that called? A green, green, green bin. Yeah. Green bin. Yeah. They, don't, they don't hold much, okay? GrowingSeasonCanada.com is the website. Everything to do with consults, installs, and landscape designs. And let me tell you, me and Pops are going bonkers with basically all of those things. And we don't sell tarps. We don't sell tarps. No more tarp talk. <laughs> so, guys, why did the worm leave the apple? No idea, know. Matthew. Because Noah said to travel in pairs. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. That's awful. <laughs> Mom? Till next time, have a good one, and please be safe. Jack, out. If you miss any part of our show today or any of our earlier broadcasts, don't panic. Just log on to our website at www.saga960am.ca backslash podcasts and look for and stream our podcasts of this show and any of our other great programs.